Hello everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast. Kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and fix this next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. to a podcast episode of the Business Success and Coffee podcast. Today I'm joined by James and James is passionate about financial services and he's developed this passion over many years of working closely with his own financial advisor and realising the opportunity that professional advice provides in making a real difference to people's lives. We're going to hear a lot more about the depth of that uh, as we go through this episode, hopefully. After 26 successful years in the motor industry as centre principal at Toyota and Lexus, the opportunity arose to undertake an intense period of study to complete the exams necessary to qualify as a financial advisor. Uh, I've actually known uh, James for a few years. We've met a couple of times and I I know that he's joined forces with Ken um, and he's known him for a number of years and he shares the same ethos about looking after people and putting clients first. So he leapt at the chance of joining Ken at Tunstall Financial Management in the autumn of 2020. As partners with Open uh, Open Work Limited, uh, he can continue his professional development and be on the road to becoming a chartered financial planner. Thanks for being a guest on today's podcast, James. That's my pleasure. Thanks, Simon. And it's it's interesting because you say there you've got a passion for financial services. Many financial planners and advisors, and I'm not saying this is exclusive, but many of them come into financial planning at an early age and see the progression where you've actually been at the receiving end of having that financial advice from a great financial advisor and then stepped in now to do it yourself. And it's a bit like me with coaching. I've always been coached. And then I became yeah. a coach when I decided yeah. to exit business. So, you know, quite a, a common ground there. And I think that gives us a quite a unique perspective and gives you yes. a unique perspective of financial advice as well, doesn't it? I agree. I agree. When you've when you've experienced it from the consumer's perspective, um, you, you, you have an insight that other people don't. And a lot of the guys in the financial services industry, they did come from that banking background. Um, yeah. The industry's changed a lot over the last few decades. Um, and it hasn't attracted many new people. So the, oh, a lot of the financial advisors, there is a big, there's a lot of debate in the industry about the age of the financial advisors is is far too high. And there's a big advice gap looming where um, thousands will be retiring, of which there are only about 15,000 in the UK. Um, half of them are going to retire over the next few years um, yeah. without attracting new blood. It's, it's creating a problem. But... Um, but there are a few second careerists out there like me. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, do th- I think it gives us a, a unique perspective on things. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I'm sure the listeners might be in other different sectors and different industries. And certainly in my old industry of construction, you know, we've always said for decades, there's not enough young people coming into the industry and too many people leaving the industry. And that's probably something, listeners, that you and I haven't thought about when it's come to financial advisors and financial planners because we almost we we like the security of seeing somebody who's a, a little bit 
more experienced and mature in years, yes. shall we, shall we yes. say. Um, the grey hair is always an advantage, which for many industries it isn't, is it? So it's probably no. something that many of us haven't realised is a problem for the financial sector. Yes, and how, yeah, how credible is a 20-year-old in helping somebody in their midlife plan their finances having not gone through the life experiences they've had now i'm sure they're, they're they are perfectly competent and well-trained 20 something yeah. financial advisors definitely um but is are the consumers always going to prefer somebody who appears to have a bit more authority that comes with age i don't know i don't know yeah. um i certainly want to expand my business over the coming years and i see the younger generation is crucial to that so yeah. I've just got to find the right ones. And I've already come across a couple of 20-something people who have, have sought financial advice from me. And they're switched yeah. on people, yeah. you know, wanting to get on the property ladder early, build a portfolio. Um, they've already got good jobs. They're, they've got good handle on their finances and are and putting themselves in a strong position. So so there are youngsters out there who do, who've got a handle on it. And it's... Um, that's that's who I'm hoping to bring into my firm over the coming years. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know I've had lots of financial advisors over the years, both in business and personally, and you know the two most successful ones that I've ever had. One was a guy from the Prue back in the uh, sort of late eighties, uh, who was quite young, and they got quite an intense program of bringing people mm. into the Prue and developing them and giving them the skills and they needed. But they also gave them the experience to use their products. And Richard, the, the latter sort of younger person I had, um, Richard Thompson, when I first met him, he was probably 26, 27. And the reason I went to him was because he actually walked the walk. You know, even yeah. though he hadn't been around for that long, you know, some of the things he advised to me, he was also taking them up. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. he passed away at quite a young age. He passed away in his 30s. But actually, that was a testament to his financial planning as well, because he was able to take the time off when he was critically ill. He was able to look after his new wife when he eventually passed away. Um, and you just even in his legacy, you saw, do you know what? That was a guy who gave me good advice because he took his own good advice as well. And the mm -hmm. results were there. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely a place for it. And uh yeah, people who, who walk the walk and uh, are proof in the pudding as you have yeah. uh, is, is really important. But you know what? In those days, financial services was a sales industry and you could go on a week's yeah. course and be taught how to sell these products. But it's not that it's not like them. Financial Conduct Authority have, have made it very clear that this is no longer a sales industry. It's an advising industry. So yeah. uh, we don't generate commissions off any financial products apart from insurances, but any investment products don't generate commissions for us anymore because it creates a moral dilemma of, you know, where do you, do you put the money where you get the best commission or do you put the money yeah. what's best for the client? So um, that has changed the whole training, the way that way people are trained oh, yeah. in the industry now and um, all for the better and yeah, people yeah. pay fees rather than we get commissions. So uh it's, it is a very interesting industry to be in, and yeah, um, you know, that, learns that's, a lot. That's an interesting comment, and you know, I'm sure the listeners are, are probably thinking the same that I am. That um, I think that's the perception from within the industry, but it's not a sales industry anymore, etc. But I'm sure the perception out there in some customers is still 
that that's the industry it is. And it might be because yeah. they've not changed advisors for such a long while. And historically, that's how they were dealt with. And that's how they feel if they move, they might be dealt with again. Um, mm, what would you say yeah. to those people that have that perception? Well, it, yeah, if they are already got a financial advisor and they feel that it's salesy, then they've got the wrong financial advisor. Um, you know, we a lot of the stuff, a lot of the research I did, there's some great trainers out there um, independent of um, of the likes of uh, St. James's Place or indeed Open Work that yeah, just yeah. want to improve the credibility of the industry. Um, and they're, one of them in particular, the guy that springs to mind, his training is around um, your you've got three hats the, the the last hat is your sales hat and it's you only ever put that hat on if there are products that are suitable for your client the first stages are understanding the client's situation their objectives their goals their lifestyle what they want to achieve um understanding what resources they've got to make that happen um and you can you can actually give them a huge amount of peace of mind just by organizing all that stuff into a into a proper plan um, you don't even have to get a new pension or a new ISA just to bring together all the tools you already have and just understand how they will fit together in your retirement. Mm-hmm. And we use some brilliant software, cash flow modeling um, that that helps people visualize how their spending in retirement is going to pan out and whether they'll run out of money or not. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, then, that's and a then, real fear, isn't it? I think you know, we, we don't like to think about it, but that actually is a real fear that you know you get you get this pot of money and it's going yeah. to run out quickly. And, and too many people sit on it and don't spend it because of that very concern. Yeah. And part part of my job, I believe, is to help people spend it. Oh, um, love that. You know, if you've got a lot of money in the bank, the, um, often people feel a lot of guilt if they do spend it that they're putting their future at risk because they don't understand the impact of spending 10 grand now on their pot of money. What, what will that mean in 15 years time? And we, we model that for people and help them visualize it and, and take away that guilt from spending money. Let, let them understand how much they can spend without ever running out. Um, and it's often more than people think. Um, we have to put all sorts, we do all sorts of scenario analysis. So, you know, if there are market crashes, if, if things happen that are outside of your control, how robust is your, is your plan? Um, how can it sustain those kind of shocks that are unpredictable? Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's, we build that and, and present it to them and help them, help them spend it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or some people don't want to spend it. Some people do want to pass it down the generations. Yeah. So it's how do you do that without incurring a big tax bill and yeah. or creating a problem when the money is going through probate? Um, yeah. How can you avoid things problems that would and come it, at that stage? It's about having choices, isn't it? I think you know the freedom of choice is ultimately what what we're after, and whether to spend or not spend, save, yeah, uh, is our is our choice, and it's good to have that choice, isn't it? So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're on on that there. Yeah. So, and for younger people, it's getting to the the day of financial freedom. So, yeah. if you're working and saving, once you know what you need in retirement, what what is your financial freedom day? Yeah. Uh, when when do you when do you when can you then work because you enjoy work, not because you have to? Yeah. When what, what when is that day? And yeah. um, it's yeah, good well, to know. Fa- when thankfully, it. I set mine at fifty and actually hit it at forty-two. So perfect. Uh, yeah. 
So because <laughs> I've got good financial advice, and that makes a big difference, listeners. So, so you're right. chatting to me now because you enjoy it, not because you have to. A- absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and it is, you know, and it's a privilege. You know, that I I do recognise it as a privilege, and it's one that I value and I'm very appreciative of because many people don't have that privilege. Yeah, uh, so it's very very important. So before we go on to some of the other questions about what you've been working on in in your own business, and you're giving us a real insight to that just now. What are you drinking now and why? What's, what, what is it that you have? Just uh, Well, I've got an espresso machine at home. Okay. Oh, good. You, you and about, a, pod. I think probably I three quarters of guests have an espresso machine. So but you know what? Really I, d- well. I, don't, I don't sort of study the, the coffee pods. I'll just buy no. what seems a reasonable strength and that's on offer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then I just, uh, just add, just froth. I've got milk frother okay. um, and those the things you get in starbucks where you you can add um you can add uh sorry i've got i've got, to, I've got one of those annoying electric gates on the house which oh, if right. i don't answer it then the person yeah. stands outside the gate not being able to get in <laughs> <laughs> um so yes yeah, so, so i've uh those start though you add hazelnut or vanilla or yeah, something yeah. like that so uh, that's got it's got a hazelnut shot in as well yeah, it's interesting because I now, when I go into Starbucks, I if I do have a syrup, uh, I ask for it as a syrup, and I used to okay. ask for it as a shot. Right. Until I went to a Starbucks just outside Lincoln, north north side of Lincoln at uh, Cambry Corner, and I said, "Can I have a caramel shot in my coffee?" Okay. And the person looked at me a little bit funny, and said, mm, "Okay." Went off, came back told me how much it was and I thought well, that seems quite expensive right when I got to the end I got a black filter coffee which is what I asked for but a caramel shortbread at the side okay of right. and she and she said to me I didn't put it in the coffee if that's okay <laughs> and I was like yeah so now I don't Brilliant. say shot because I think shot and shortbread might be misconstrued because most of the time they're there with a headset, aren't they? And they're listening to two conversations. So now I say caramel syrup. They are. Yeah, I hadn't syrup. appreciated that. I hadn't appreciated how much they multitask in those places Yeah. until I went in to get my coffee. Yeah. And taking and then seems to be taking orders on the hoof, but not writing it down anywhere. How does this system work? It was it was no. impressive. Yeah. But it is expensive, isn't it? And I, and I I only started going to Starbucks because they had I tried one of their eggnogs at Christmas. Yep. Eggnog latte and it well it it was fantastic. So I I think I went every week in lead up to Christmas. Yeah. Well, gin, gingerbread <laughs> latte thought, is my favorite as well. Right. Know, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Starbucks gingerbread so, latte. Yeah. So that's what got me in Starbucks and um yeah. but I do I do feel it's uh unnecessary when i can make it own for 50p yeah and, and to be honest um that's why i drink filter coffee generally when i go to starbucks because um most people going and order a black americano why would you pay over three pounds for a tall black americano when you can get a filter for about one pound 85 well, a friend of mine told me a life hack is to ask for a filter and they'll often say Oh, we haven't got the filter on at the moment. Are you okay with an Americano? Yeah, and they charge the you the price, price of the filter. Fil- yeah, 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 so. yeah, 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 yeah. Work that one out. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you've given us your favourite as well. So eggnog, 
latte. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's one of the, one of your favourites. <laughs> but it only comes around once a year. But well, I, I like the whole Christmas thing anyway, so it gets me in the mood for Christmas yeah, too. Yeah, but isn't that a shame? I mean, gingerbread lattes, I've got gingerbread syrup downstairs, and I, I just can't see why gingerbread lattes only have to be for Christmas. Otherwise, the whole Fair Grantham enough. gingerbread industry would only happen once a year, and it doesn't. So, uh, yeah. So moving on to your business, obviously you've you've moved and joined Tunstall Financial Management back in autumn 2020. Tell us a little bit about what you've been working on or what the business has been working on since that time. Um, well, we Ken had, Ken's in his 70s now, mm-hmm. so he was kind of getting to the stage where he he was running a very good company with some, with some very loyal customers. And turning over a decent amount of money, um, everyone was happy. Um, there was no growth strategy, didn't need one. Yep. Um, but he did need an exit strategy. So me, at the time when I was looking for this position, it all just fitted really well. Um, I became his exit strategy. And of course, now what we've got, we've got a growth aspiration. I'm younger, I want to develop the business. So um, we have actively sought inquiries. We've improved our website. Um, and Google listing and uh, a lot of growth is quite easy to generate internally with having Mm. such a loyal client base. You don't need to ask them too many times to mention us to people before they're quite happily sending people our way. So we've had, I would say over half our growth in the last two years is from that. Um, But the website and our Google listing has also made a big difference. So yeah, we've been working on growing the business um, and Ken and I are currently negotiating for the transfer of ownership to me so that he can not completely retire but he'll still be uh, one of my key clients um, coordinator well client managers and he'll he'll work with me for a a few years yet Um, but yeah we're we're changing it from a sole trader to a limited company and um, I'll be running it rather than Ken Um, so yeah and then we'll continue on the growth we've we, I've brought a new mortgage advisor in who used to work with me at Lexus. He was one of my managers at my Lexus business um, yeah. that I ran a few years ago. Um, so he's he's a great guy, younger than me though, which is good. And yeah, um, good to have success. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, very capable guy. Mortgages, mortgages seemed as a good entry point to the industry. Although I went straight to wealth management, but yeah. um, you know, good mortgage advisor will develop into a wealth manager. So I see him as key to the business in the future and we could also see could also have uh, more mortgage advisors that would be one of my next yeah. aims is to recruit another mortgage advisor use that potentially as a route to developing people into wealth um and yeah. and build that side of the business too so that's that's what we're working on yeah. good i've got to ask the question then because for somebody like ken who has has done such a great job of building up his business have you seen that you're happy to share, and he's probably happy for you to share, any kind of roadblocks that have got in the way? Because there might be listeners listening to this that think, oh, I can never see myself retiring. What would I do with my time? All those imposter syndromes come in to exiting the business. Uh, and I see it with many of the clients I work with, uh, particularly in businesses I'm helping for succession. You know, are there any particular roadblocks that you've come across that you've had to work around with, Ken? I think Ken's been brilliant because you're absolutely right. It could be a, it's a massive thing for him. Mm-hmm. Having built this, his baby for 20-odd years, um, his original succession plan was within the family, but unfortunately he lost right. his son um, to cancer um, 
at an early age. Oh, so that that route, exactly that route wasn't open to him, and, and he had to completely rethink all sorts of things. Obviously, going through mm-hmm. that. Um, so he had envisaged that the business would live on in the family, um, and he'd be able to be part of it for as long as he wanted. But now he's selling it to a third party. However, friend, however much we get on and yeah. things like that, it is it's a very different exit to what he envisaged. And it, but he's brilliant. I mean, we haven't got down to some of the nitty gritty, yeah. the, the the finer detail yet. But all the conversations we've had, I can see it. It's hard. It's hard. But yeah. you know he's um, he's dealing with it very well, from what yeah. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there there are, and oh, having that, there are some there are some key clients I haven't yet had a proper introduction to. So I, I wonder if perhaps yeah. that's uh, that's been deliberate on Ken's part. Maybe it doesn't matter if it has been, it, but that means it's a process. Ownership, yeah, it's a process. Once the yeah. ownership's transferred, he's still he's still of crucial value to me because he'll yeah. he'll have those uh, he'll be available for those first initial meetings i'll have with those clients and he'll make it a much softer intro so i so i think he's pleased he's going to have that opportunity yeah. to work with me for a couple of years it's, it's interesting i was talking the other day uh, about japanese culture and particularly manufacturing mm-hmm. how when somebody gets to an age where they have to retire the japanese culture isn't that they retire they literally can just wander around the factory or the office and they become the wise oracles, the sages that people turn to for information. And I think that's really good because, one, it gives a resource for the people who are still in the business, but it also gives a contribution and a significance to the people that otherwise would just disappear into a vacuum. Uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's with Ken, it's a process. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't think any of us would underestimate the trust that obviously he's placing in you to take over that business after he's been in it for so long as well. So well done for yeah. building that with him. Yeah. When you and I first met, it was on a networking event, and I was intrigued because in, um, I can't remember if, whether it was part of you introducing yourself or whether it was in the breakout rooms, you mentioned Christians Against Poverty, and you know, that's quite a hot topic at the moment as we, as we record this. We're going into a cost-of-living crisis. Everybody's talking about recession, etc., which... Yeah, I actually don't think we've not come out of recession. I think we've been in recession for some time. It might not be a GDP technical recession, but I think yeah, for many people it's felt like a recession for some time, particularly retail and hospitality sectors. What what would you say um, to perhaps some people who are struggling with their planning, struggling with their budgeting, and you know putting your cap um, sort of head on a little bit? You know, any, any tips that you can offer? People, and I'm going to ask you to share a big tip later on, but purely from, from that, is, is there anything that you're seeing that people really, really should be uh, taking control of or doing differently? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, CAP have been um, prevalent in that sector of life uh, for a lot longer than I have. And so they've developed some some very good tools, which I share with people in workshops. Um, and it's making your budgeting as simple as possible, um, particularly, well, for anyone, it's applicable to anyone, really. But um, the CAP model is to help people organise their finances into um, costs of living, direct debits, you know, things that have to be paid, to your weekly spend that you have discretion over what you do with it, but it's things you have to buy, um, yeah. usually supermarket shops, things like that. And then the, the stuff that's one-offs that you save for. Um, but a lot of people struggle with that 
saving bit um, yeah. it, because they end up spending what's left on the middle bit. Um, so all their money's gone at the end of the month. So I work with people and I help them set up um, a, a, a two bank account situation. So their benefits or their income all go into one bank account and all their direct debt debits come out of that bank account and they never yeah. touch it they don't log into it they don't see how much money's in there um it just takes care of itself um, and we know what's left from all those bills at the end of the month because we work it out in advance yeah what's what's left could be 500 quid um we then work out okay what are you spending on living in a, in a month and it's quite difficult sometimes with contactless payment it's quite easy to track what you're spending your money on so sure. you put so so you set up your your day-to-day -day bank account will have 300 of your of your 500 pounds going into it per month um and we even talk about spending that weekly so you actually have 70 quid a week that's yeah. your budget um and your 200 pounds goes into your saving accounts which when when a insurance bill comes at the end of the year your house insurance or something like that or or your car needs fixing you know yeah. you've got that you, you don't have to take it out of your cost of living just restructuring your finances like that is it's not an easy task to do particularly if numbers aren't your thing and money isn't your thing but once it's in place it it takes all the worry away from your finances you know it's settled now mm. you might with the cost of living crisis the your bills account is going to be drawing a lot more of your resources than it has historically yeah. and things inevitably your savings might suffer or your what you buy each week might suffer and you have to change supermarkets or whatever but for a lot of people it's i know it's going to be a problem but i don't know i don't know what effect it's going to have i don't yeah. know what changes i have to make because there's nothing laid out and cap anyone who joins the cap program in fact anyone could log into cap themselves and use their budgeting software yeah. um to help them build their own plan but we run workshops to do it for to to sort of hold people's hand through the process and I, I think budgeting is important both for business of course yeah and so many people don't budget for their businesses you know uh, and yeah they might do historic accounting but they don't forecast they don't look at what is going to come out mm. one of the simplest tools that i found really useful some years ago when i was uh, having problems and, and i've reached out to cap in the past myself was the fact that um to actually just do a list of everything that's going to go out and as it goes out put it in and then you can see date by date what's going to be coming out so i know what's going to be coming out tomorrow in a week's time and have the figures and then when it comes out put it here and a very simple spreadsheet and it's it is the simplicity of it isn't it that's key because if it's not but simple, for a lot you won't use it you exactly but even so for a lot of people that process yeah. of of listing out is a is feels like a a big yeah a, a big problem a big thing to do and it's something that they all put off and put off just because it's not their natural inclination to organize things in that way they've got strengths in other areas and and it's that's really hard to to get people what you and i see as simple spreadsheet is a big barrier for yeah. people um yeah. for you know it just but, can't be helped it's where it is i think there's there's one important thing that and most important thing that i i learned that i'll share with the listeners today is that the only reason sometimes you don't do that complexity or the simple spreadsheet isn't because it's hard it's because you're hiding from it because you don't want to see the figures and that was that was that was me and what i would say to anybody listening to this if it's anything that you feel any anxiety about finance don't shy away from the figures and when you get the figures go get help don't wait too long to get help you know in you know institutions organizations 
you know, Christians Against Poverty, there are so many out there that you can reach out to. These people are not going to judge you. They're not going to patronize you. That's right. They're going to give you the help. And, you know, it saved my life, literally. You know, I hate to think where I'd have gone if I hadn't have reached out for that help and yeah. stop hiding from it. You know, hit it head on, look at the figures and get the help because it makes but get, sense. But yeah, getting somebody else to do it is, is a huge thing. Because you, when you've got a pile of unopened posts, yeah. as you go through each envelope, you panic, you panic more and more and more and then you can't yeah. function. You can't solve the problem. But CAP and other organizations, and I've done this with somebody before, I just, I just opened it for them, organized it into piles. I'm not panicking. It's not my money. You can separate yourself from it, but uh, but it's quite understandable that if they were opening those envelopes themselves, it would just become overwhelming. Um, yeah. So don't don't do it yourself. You, yeah. you need somebody to be separate from it to actually put a plan in place for you yeah. um, without panicking, because there is a solution. There's always a solution, um, yeah. and don't think you have to come up with it on your own. And of course, you know, when it comes to looking at your your future, your retirement, your investments and things like that, you know, it's the same thing, isn't it? You know, working with someone like yourself, getting that budget, knowing what's affordable, you know, not thinking it's got to be huge or it's got to be small, you know, and getting that advice and working through it is yeah. absolutely essential. And as well as have, always having a business coach in my businesses, I've always had good financial advice as well. And uh, yeah, so definitely very important. So... If people want to reach out to you, James, and find out more about you and you know, Tunstall Financial Management, how do people connect with you? Uh, and is there anywhere else you'd like to send anybody that's listening to this podcast to? Well, our website's a good place to start. Um, Tunstall FM for financial management.co.uk. Um, I've got mobile numbers on there, so you can contact with us direct. Right. It's got LinkedIn links to linkedin and things like that it's always good to check out a financial advisor on um before you engage with them so you can Definitely. check their credibility their background um so i try and make as much of uh, as much as me as possible in the public domain because yeah. you know the more people can find out about me the more that that will reassure them and give them the confidence that um you know there's no yeah that i'm a good person to work with yeah. hopefully so, but is the conclusion they'd come to but yeah tunstallfm.co.uk yeah will will and, and tunstall is t-u-n-s-t-a-double-l correct double l yeah lima yeah great <laughs> fm.co.uk fantastic yeah. great um so you've you've shared a couple of great tips there uh from sort of you know the the great work that you do with with cap and all the organizations that are out there not just cap you know do some amazing work and i know next 12 months 18 months are going to be very busy you know a lot of people are going to fall on very difficult times and challenging yeah. times and you know some people who have a lot of pride in where they are now are going to be knocked off that perch a little bit and uh yeah they need to reach out and get that help definitely so if if you were to give people Let's look at the lighter side. Let's look at the, the financial management side or anything else that you want to give the listeners. If you could give something that they can take away today, that they can do something with, what would that be today, James? Um, it's well, a tool to, you know, a, tri a trick of the trade or something like yeah, that. Yeah, anything. Anything. I mean, <laughs> it might be. I mean, you know, what should we look for when seeking out a financial advisor such as yourself or 
you know, is, well, is, is, is there something that you know, we can start to think about ourselves yeah. before getting to One of the things you shouldn't do is discount yourself from being a potential financial advisor's client because you haven't got much money. Yeah. Um, somebody who maybe saved 10, 15 grand and it's in the bank and they kind of know that they should be doing something better with it, but it's easier to leave it there. And crikey, which financial advisor is going to talk to them about 15 grand and they're probably going to charge them a load of money. Not the case yeah. because most financial advisors um, will always sit down with a potential new client at their expense. So the first meeting, there's no cost. It'll give you an opportunity to find out whether there's something you're missing, something you're not doing, you should be doing. Uh, any good financial advisor will will give you a steer in the right directions. Can't make recommendations without you becoming a client, yeah. but they can give you some generic pointers. And so if you decide that becoming a client isn't appropriate for you, then at least you've had a a free chat with somebody who knows what they're talking right. about. Um, but yeah, so my advice would be to engage with the firm. They've got nothing to lose. Um, some financial advisors see this a lot in the industry and I fear it could be something that maybe I, well, I'm very careful not to trip, fall into this trap myself, but as a financial advisor, you don't earn much in ways of fees from somebody who's got a small investment. Some financial advisors, particularly the very successful ones, have become very successful because they've we they've they've sifted that out. They've had those initial chats with people who don't have a lot, given them some steer and not taken them on as a client. I was one of those people with not a lot when I started with my financial advisor. Yeah. Very modest pension pot. I was early on in my career. Um, but he opened my eyes to what pensions can do for you, which as a layperson you'll never you can't understand it. It's incredibly complicated. Um, he opened my eyes, put me in a very strong financial position 15, 20 years later. He's now earning quite nicely from my investments, yeah. but he wasn't originally. And I want to be that financial advisor that takes on people who are starting small, modest. Um, I help them, which I'll get a lot of satisfaction from. And I, hopefully with a, a long-term partnership, I'm expecting to be in the industry for a few decades. So, We'll, we'll grow together. Um, so I, I'd encourage you to engage with somebody, even if you're not sure whether you need to. It could make a big difference to your finances. Yeah. And I think these days, you know, we're not pinned to that 60, 65 date neither. No. So, you know, no. you, might fit, you might be 55 and only got a small pot or even put a small amount away. But, you know, you these days, you know, we talk about, you know, 75 being the new 50, don't we, you know? There's there's years ahead of you yet to build that up and young. I started my pension when I think it was the earliest I could do it. It was twenty twenty one next was the right. way that it was done okay. through through the potential. So uh, yeah, so that little amount then yeah. through compounding and everything else has has built up into a good pot these days. So yeah. definitely worth doing. Great, good advice. Thank you very much for that. Um, so I want to come on to the to the final question to to wrap us up. And I'm going to put a little different spin on, on this. If you were to have your next Nespresso coffee, James, and you were reading one of your favourite books, either in the financial industry or business books, have you got anything that you could recommend to the listeners that might help them either with their finances or with their business? Um I'm not a great reader. I have got a selection. One of the things I set my stall out when I started the industry was to get a, a library of industry-related books. Okay. Um, one in particular that I did. Well, actually, no. Let me get. Let me get two. Hang on. 
Okay. Listeners, he's taking his headset off and going to the bookshelf. So this is it. Right. Yep. This one, a young, a young author in her 20s, um, writing about financial advice for people in their 20s. Brilliantly well written, easy read, yep. own it by Iona Bain. I give that to clients who've got kids because um, it talks Great. about cryptocurrency, how to get on the property ladder, what a lifetime ISA is. Um, so yeah, that's that's a great one. Um, this is Paul Armston. He, he's the guy who I've been watching all his videos about um, training financial advisors yeah, on yeah. how to do the job right. How much money do you need for the rest of your life? So it's for consumers. And um, it's basically what, what, is, what is your number? What is enough for you? um and and it and it helps people realize when enough when they've got enough money and then how to spend it so enough by paul armson that's another brilliant book i've come across and that looks like the question mark you see at the end of an alpha logo as well doesn't it so it yeah. is yeah, yeah 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 that's also a good book and a good yeah. course yeah yeah alpha course int introduction to christianity very good yeah yeah and it, and it, and seriously if anybody does see any alpha courses starting near them if you want you know whether you're thinking of becoming a Christian, you've got unanswered mm. questions and gaps in your life, or whether you've actually been around church for a while and just want, you know, uh, a refresh and a bit of a, uh, a kick up the rear end in a few areas. Yeah, Alpha Course, yeah. Uh, I've been on two or three, and every time I take something away from it, uh, different. Church, well. uh, church these days isn't what people, a lot of people think church is. I became a Christian yeah. about eight years ago, and it, I went to church when I was at boarding school, and that is not church. No, well, it certainly wasn't no. a church I could engage with, no. but um, an evangelical churches, which sound all happy clappy and, you know, something yep. you probably want to steer clear of, are actually incredibly engaging. Some of them are very professionally run um, and that made a massive difference in my life, um, yeah. becoming a Christian, which was a very slow process. I went to yeah. a church for a number of years before I, I became what I'd call a Christian. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I think that's in a good point to to sort of finish it off on that you know very often christianity doesn't happen in the moment and overnight it is a journey and mm. uh, you know a bit like the finances reaching out getting support and getting the help that you need um getting those resources that you need is is really important because you know for some it can be that that moment but for many of us and i know in my life it's been a journey of uh, decades from you know being a member uh, of my granddad's congregation when I was just an infant, you know, to to give my life to Christ when I was 14 years old. Yeah, that was 10 years in the making, and it's been a journey yeah. of never-ending improvement ever since. So <laughs> you never stop, and exactly the same with our our finances as well. You've yeah. you've been a great guest, James. You've given us some great things to take away of value, and uh, it's been an absolute I've enjoyed uh, honor it. and privilege to have you as a guest. Thanks, Simon. That's great you say. I appreciate that. It's I've enjoyed it too. And, and listeners, as you know, this is part of my mission to help you be better aware, better educated and accountable. So do something after this podcast. Look at your budgets. Look at who you're getting advice from, either in your finances or in your faith. Go out there and make a difference. Do something with what you've heard James and I talk about today. That's how you can reward the time that we've given you in today's podcast couple of good books there and definitely own it i'm going to go and check that out and i suggest you do as well listeners and of course connect with james at uh, tunstallfm.co.uk check out the website connect with him and uh, you know it's always uh, i think something quite unique 
to get somebody who can give you financial advice from a Christian perspective as well. So definitely I suggest that you consider that when reaching out to James. And I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.